Alrighty. So after last week's introduction to uh, to uh, to the Chadodi, so now we get to uh, explore the actual text itself, the actual song. And let me go ahead and bring it up for you. Hopefully, it will pop up somewhere. There it is. There it is. Okay. So, so um, so it's a, it's an interesting um, uh, uh, it's an interesting uh, poem, I guess so, uh, we'll say. Uh, you know, it begins with the phrase That's the refrain um, throughout. And as we talked about uh, last week, that uh, it is a call either to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, uh, the Dodi, my beloved, is either Akarish Baruchu or it's Kla Yisrael, but somebody is being called to greet the bride, which is none other than Shabbos, the face of Shabbos, and we should greet it. Then we have nine stanzas. That's what the Lecha Dodi is comprised of. And those nine stanza, stanzas, so in the first eight of them, so I'm sure everybody knows that this is something where we get to, to see the author. This was the style of poetry back in the Middle Ages, where authors would always uh, put their signature, as it were, in the uh, in the uh, the uh, the poem itself. So over here, I actually should have made it the larger. But if you follow the stanzas, the first eight stanzas. So the first one begins with a shin, then a lamed, a mem, and a hey. That's Shlomo. That's his first name, Shlomo Alkabetz. And then it happens to be that the next ones are Hey, Lamed, Vav, Yud, Halevi. Shoshloma Halevi Alkabetz. So he put his name into the thing. That's the way they used to sign things back before they had actual signatures like we do nowadays. So you put your name into it, and that way people could identify you as the, as the owner. Now, this is something which is also significant, and it answers a question which many of the commentators wonder about, which is the fact that the opening words of the first stanza are uh, the other way are why is it a highlight? Okay, uh, are Shamar Vizakhor. So Shamar Vizakhor are the two words that they are the way that the Asera Sadibros introduce the observance of Shabbos. Shamor Yom Shabbos, Zachor Yom Shabbos. Now, oh, there it is. Now, what's interesting about it is the fact that um, right we know that there are two sets of luchos which exist, which were presented in the Torah, one in Parshas Yisro, one in Parshas Vaschanan, and the sequence of them, is in, as we go sequentially through the Torah, is Zachor is in Parshas Yisro, Shamor is in Parshas Vaschanan. So we would expect that if you're going to go ahead and you're going to say, which we'll talk about the Medrash in a moment, but if you're going to go ahead and make reference to the two different ways by which HaKadosh Baruch Hu introduced the topic of Shabbos, so we would expect that it should go sequentially. So really it should be Zachor v'shamor b'diborecha, because Zachor is the first one. But some of the commentators explain, it's not even cynically per se, but they explain that the reason why, the very simple reason why it's Shamor v'Zachor rather than Zachor v'Shamor is because of the name is Shlomo. 
So in order to make it work in terms of his signature, so he went ahead and he put the shin before the zion, just for the simple reason to go ahead and make it work out. It's probably like incredibly frustrating to come up with this great poem, which is going to contain your name, and the first stanza, the first word of the first stanza already messes you up. Many of us would just give up on the poem at that point if the first word of the first stanza didn't work out. And he just said, eh, not a problem. We'll just switch around Zohar Rishamor for Shamor for Zohar, and then we, are, uh, then we are good to go. Now, another thing which is important to realize just structurally in terms of what's going on with this, uh, with this is that we know that we're singing L'chad Dodi, and it says, Pene Shabbos Nekabula. It seems to me that the main thrust and the main point and the main emphasis of this poem is the fact that we are greeting Shabbos. But when we include the last stanza, which begins the Boi V'Shalom, that's the ninth of them, so in terms of numbers, so only stanzas one, two, and nine address Shabbos. Stanzas three, four, five, six, seven, and eight all address the future Geula. They address the future redemption, which is not... Uh, a direct Shabbos theme. And that's something which is curious, and that's something which many of the Siddur commentators wonder about, that if we're going to go ahead and we're going to uh, use this paragraph, or if Shoma Alkabetz is going to go ahead and write this uh, this poem in order to go ahead and to mark the arrival of Shabbos and to be able to prepare us for the arrival of Shabbos. So we would expect that all nine stanzas would really revolve around Shabbos, and instead of doing so, so we don't even have the majority of them starting with Shabbos. It's sort of misleading because the first two and the last one, that's when you remember about Adrasha, the opening line and then the final line. Uh, but the stuff in the middle, the, the sandwich stuff, the cream stuff in the middle, so that usually gets uh, forgotten. So over here, Shoma Alkabetz, in a sense, did the same thing, that he begins with Shabbos and he ends with Shabbos, but the bulk of it, which is the, in the middle, six of the nine stanzas, have nothing at all to do with uh, with, with Shabbos. They have to do with the uh, the, the Geula. Um, but that's something which is uh, important to uh, to notice as well, and we're going to talk about as we go through the stanzas, so we're actually going to talk about some of the themes and why the Geula is mentioned uh, in this uh, at the at the outset of Shabbos. Now, another thing which is important to be mindful of um, um, we'll do two last things just in terms of structure, in terms of appreciating the poetry. So we know the way I have it broken down here and the way it's broken down in most Siddur is that each stanza is composed of four phrases. Four phrases, and then you uh, then you go back to Lechadodi. So what you'll notice is, and this is, you can see this on the screen in front of you now, um, you have, in the first stanza, if you look at the end of each line, so the first three lines of the first stanza is Echad, Hamyuchad, and Echad. So the rhyme scheme seems to be a Segel Dalid. Actually, it's a Ches Segel Dalid, or a Ches Dalid, but it ends with Dalid. And then the last one is a Kamatz So the last line of the four doesn't follow that rhyming scheme. The next paragraph, everything ends in Kamatz so that's going to be consistent. The next one also and then you have in Hisnari, in the paragraph over here, you see the first three lines, and Chirik Yud, Kumi, Ami, Halachmi, and then again, Kamatei. Next paragraph as well, Hisori, Ori, Daberi, 
and then Kamate. So this is the way, this is a style again of just uh, structuring, uh, uh, of structuring things. That the first three lines have that rhyme scheme, and then the last line ends with a kamate, and that's pretty much that goes all the way through the uh, all the way through the uh, the poem. Now, the last thing that I want to tell you, just as far as structure, before we start to explore the meaning of the or to uh, to read and translate the individual stanzas, is that when we get to paragraph number three, stanza number three. So these are the ones that we said three through eight, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, six stanzas which have to do with Gula. So many of them, Meforshim, see the final line as a progression, that each one is building is building on the other. So, for example, we say the first one, which talks about the Gula, is the paragraph Mikdash Melech. So it ends, and he will shower you with compassion. So the first thing that we need in order to be able to reach the stage of Gula, which is what we are yearning for and what we're in a sense davening for at the outset of Shabbos, is we recognize that we need compassion. Then with that compassion, we have the end of the next paragraph, Karva el-Nafshi ge'Allah, that we want that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to draw near to us and it will, in HaKadosh Baruch Hu will redeem us. So this is already going to be the first stage of redemption, Geula. Upon the redemption, what we're going to experience is Kivod Hashem Alaych Nigla, that Hashem's honor and Hashem's glory will then be revealed. This is going to be something which is going to be recognized and acknowledged by the nations of the world. Once we as a nation have been revealed, so then in everybody the world over is going to recognize that, Geul is going to recognize that redemption. Then what's going to happen next is that Hashem is going to rebuild the city where it was. So the Temple Mount will once again be restored to what it should be with the Beis HaMikdash and Klai Yisrael there. That is going to bring a state of joy, which is Kimsos Chasan Al-Kaula, the same way that a bride and groom celebrate with one another. So that's whenever we want to talk about the epitome or the greatest expression of simcha and joy. So it's always going to be kimsos chasan al-kala. And then with that, that is going to be v'nismacha v'nagila. And that's going to conclude, or part of that is going to be the great joy and the celebration, which goes together with what happens with the chasan al-kala. So these paragraphs are working in progression. Rav Shom is building something over here. He's building a theme over here, and he's directing us where we need to go in terms of what's uh, in terms of where we want to uh, to end up. Okay, so these are sort of some of the structural themes which you find within this uh, this uh, this poem or within this uh, this song. We mentioned last week. We emphasized that Shomal Alkabat intended it to be sung. Uh, I don't know if anybody claims to have the music which he wrote. Uh, you know how he sang it. You know the tune that he used to uh, to sing it. But it seems to me that that was something which he thought was an essential part of the. Uh, of the acceptance of Shabbos is to be able to do so with great joy. Okay, now, um, so let's begin with the paragraph. Okay, and what we're going to try and do is, I think we're going to end up doing four paragraphs tonight in the first stanzas tonight, and then we will do five stanzas in Mirza Hashem next week. Okay, so as we said, we begin Shamar Vizachor Bediburachan. So we have. Observe and remember in one utterance. 
so here what we're emphasizing is this is based on the Chazal. Um, it's a Gemara in Shavuos, which says that Zachar v'Shamer b'Dibur Echad Ne'emru. So Shomer Alkabetz is summarizing the Gemara that they, although one of the sets of Aseris Adibros occurs in Parsh, appears in Parshas Yisro, as we mentioned, and the second set of Luchos is in Parshas Vatschanan, and there's different words that open each of those uh, paragraphs, Shamor or Zachor, but the truth is that at Har Sinai, when we were standing at Har Sinai, Rakesh Baruch is giving us the command of Shabbos, so he said those two words simultaneously, and the Gemara already points out, as you're trying to wrap your head around that idea, that HaKosh Baruch Hu said two words at the same time. So Chazal already say, This is something which no mouth could actually speak two words at the same time. And you can't even discern the words if you try to listen to them. So the fact that it took HaKadosh Baruch Hu to say them, that's one thing, but it's something which we can't even hear. It's too much if you have two speakers playing different things at the same time. You're not going to be able to get catch what's happening at both of them at the same time. The most you may be able to do is switch back and forth between one side and the other. But there's no way that you're actually going to be able to hear two things at, at, at the same time. And... Um, Right. And um, right. And then the uh, uh, some people explain based on the Ramban, some of the commentators explain based on the Ramban that there's an idea there that uh, Kabbalistically, the word Shmira Shabbos, Shamor, actually refer, even though it appears second, but it actually refers to the part of Shabbos of Friday night. In Zachor, is the part of Shabbos is Shabbos by day. Why exactly it works Kabbalistically that way, I have no clue because I'm not a Kabbalist. I don't learn uh, Kabbalah. But this is something which they bring down that there is this uh, this notion of Shamor by night and Zachor by day. And therefore, in line with that, in terms of the, although uh, sequentially in the Torah, it was Zachor and then Shamor, in terms of the observance of Shabbos, it's Shamor and then Zachor. So that's why you may go ahead and follow that uh, that particular line. But this is something which uh, uh, all of them, unfortunately, talk about that, 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 that this is illustrative of the power of Shabbos. The fact that when HaKadosh Baruch Hu introduced Shabbos to Klai Yisrael in this formal way, he did so in this amazingly miraculous manner, where he went ahead and he said two words at the same time, and he expected us to be able to hear both words at the same time. And it's this drasha, this shamor v'zachor drasha, for those who remember, or those who are familiar with it, so this is the basis by which we know that although making Kiddush is a mitzvah saseh she'azman grama, although it's a positive time bound mitzvah, from which we would, the general rule would be that women are exempt, but since shamor and zachor are said together, Shamor refers to the los assays of Shabbos, the prohibitions of Shabbos. Zachor refers to the assays of Shabbos, the positive commands of Shabbos, like making Kiddush. So being that, HaKadosh Baruch Hu said both of them at the same time, it tells me that whoever is obligated to observe the los assays of Shabbos, the prohibitions of Shabbos, they are also obligated in the assay of Shabbos, the positive command of Shabbos. And therefore, we're going to say that women are obligated on a Daraisa level to make Kiddush the same as men. So that's based on this drasha. So we said, Shamar B'Zachar B'Dibur Echad, 
Hishmiyanu, Kelham Yuchan. So Hakarish Borhu had us hear these words by in this uh, in this miraculous way, something which only Hakarish Borhu could go ahead and, and, and do. Hashem Echad, Ushmo Echad. Then we go ahead and we uh, take note of the fact that not only uh, nowadays is it true that Hashem Echad Ushmo Echad, Hashem is one and his name is one, but this is something which has particular significance as we're going to move along through the uh, the poem of L'Chadodi. This is something which is going to have significance, and this is already our first hint to the idea of the connection between the observance of a regular Shabbos and the future Geula. Because we know the Gemara Psachim talks about that Bayomahu on that day, referring to the time of the Gula, so Hashem will be one and his name will be one. So the Gemara asks the question, what does that mean on that day? You may remember this from when we did the 13 principles. But he says, what does that mean when we say on that day that in the future God will be one as if to say nowadays Hashem is not one? That would be blasphemous to say that Hashem is not one uh, even nowadays. Hashem doesn't change, and he certainly isn't going to change between now and the time of the Gula. So why does that Pasuk say, Bayom HaHu, referring to that future thing, at that point, we are, Hashem will be one and his name will be one? So the Gemara explains that this world is fundamentally different than the next world. In what way do we say that this world is fundamentally different than the next word, world? Because in this world, so we see HaKadosh Baruch Hu in two different manners, two different uh, garments, two different perspectives. Because in this world, there is Tova Metiv. Sometimes we see God as one who is Tov, he is good. Umetiv, and he does good. And yet at the same time, uh, we also sometimes experience God as the Dayan HaEmes, as the true judge. The true judge is the bracha that we make when somebody experiences some sort of tragedy. So in this world, so we see God is having these, sometimes he is, uh, he, he's, he's tov emetive, sometimes we perceive him as good and doing good, and other times we see him as a harsh uh, judge who goes out and does things which, cause, which seemingly cause pain. So although in this world we see HaKadosh Baruch Hu as having these two different dimensions to his personality, in the world to come, Bayomahu, in the time of the Gula, so we're going to see everything is Kula HaTova We will be able to discern immediately how everything which happens is something which is Tova Metiv, is always going to be good, and it's illustrative and expressive of HaKadosh Baruch Hu being a Metiv, of being a good doer. So it's not that uh, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to change in the future, but rather we are going to change our perspective in the future, and we're going to see everything which HaKadosh Baruch Hu does as, as good. So that's why we say, as we're entering into Shabbos, and we're beginning to think about Geula, we're beginning to think about future redemption. So we mention already at this point the fact that Hashem Echad Ushmo Echad, Hashem is one and His name is one. Then we say... Um, now here comes an interesting line. We say l'shem ultiferes vilisila. So l'shem means for a a known, renowned, world-renowned speaker, whatever it is, but somebody who's known, litiferes glory vilisila, and somebody who is deserving of praise. And there's a machlokus regarding this particular line. 
who exactly it is who's going to be renowned for glory and for praise. Who's the subject of this particular line? Because it's not necessarily evident that we know this from you know any uh, even uh, minimal study of uh, of poetry that each stanza can be referring to, sorry each line of a stanza can be referring to a different subject. So we hear what exactly is the subject of for renown and for glory and for praise. Um, so the Rav Shamsha Rufal Hirsch, so he is of the opinion that it is going back on the previous line. Hashem So there's going to be a recognition of Hashem being one and his name being one. And once the world comes to that recognition of God being one and the world being one, so what that's going to lead to is it's going to be renowned, glory, and praise of God. So this is going to revolve, it's going to revolve around God himself. And in one of the uh, the this farm, which I have, it's interesting, that they actually quote the Birnbaum in English. That they say that that's the way he translates it, based on it says Upaltiel Birnbaum Leanglit. So he translated it as if this last line, the Shemot Tevesu is going on Hashem's name. But others go ahead and say that the Shemot Tevesu is really going back two lines back. It's going on the Hishmiyanu Kelham Yuchad, that the Hashem, the one and only God, allowed us to hear it. In other words. Um, we say that that Yishmiyanu Kelham Yuchad, that Hashkadosh Baruch Hu allowed us to hear. He made us hear, rather more accurately. Lios Lanu Zel L'Shemu Tefes V'Lesila. That this uh, our receiving of Shabbos, the command which we receive to observe Shabbos, this is something which becomes a name, uh, honor, and a praise for Klal Yisrael. Who went ahead and he chose us and he gave us the Torah and included in the Torah which he gave us is Shabbos is the mitzvah of, of Shabbos and therefore this is something which is that the, the observance of Shabbos our connection to Shabbos is something which is going to be is going to give honor and respect to all of Klal Yisrael. And according to those before him, according to the Iyun Tefillah, so that is the uh, what the uh, this particular line uh, relates to. Okay, so that is number one. That is stanza number one. That is the Shin. Then we say, next pair, we're not going to reread the Chadoni each time in between, but it's there in between. Then we say, Likras Shabbos Luchu Venelcha. So the let us go again the way it's structured uh, poetry wise the way we translate it are going to be different but we say that let us go out and greet likra Shabbos to be able to greet the uh, the Shabbos so as we mentioned last week in the introduction so there were two different practices that people had in terms of greeting Shabbos. So some people literally used to go out of town. They used to go into the field or they would go by a nearby mountain in order to go ahead and greet Shabbos. That's what they would be at the outset of Shabbos. So if you go ahead and you take the practice literally of going out to greet Shabbos, so this paragraph is reflective of that, is expressive of that, where we say, let us go and let us walk. It literally means let us go and let us walk. 
So if you take it literally, that means that you're, this is a call to the people together with you that join me in walking out of town to the nearby field or to the nearby mountain where we'll go ahead and we'll greet Shabbos. In the event that you don't go ahead and take that literally, that you don't have the practice of literally walking out of town or walking to a nearby mountain to greet the Shabbos. So what it's referring to is the idea that it, it's a call for preparation. Let's prepare ourselves to go ahead and greet the uh, to greet the uh, the Shabbos. Kihi mekor habaracha. So this is the next line. Why are we going to go ahead and greet Shabbos? Because one of the reasons why we go out to greet the Shabbos, why it's so important to go out and greet the Shabbos, is because Shabbos is the source for all bracha. Any bracha that a person is going to have, and we'll see what exactly the two different dimensions to this, but any bracha which a person is going to receive, so this is going to be something which is rooted in Shabbos. So as we know, if you're going to have a good um, um, uh, internet sig signal in your house, so you need to have a router somewhere. So the router is what gathers together the signal from the satellites and is going to direct it to the different rooms of your house, to the devices in your house. So in the same way, so Shabbos is the router through which all bracha is going to enter into our world from the spiritual world, and it's going to manifest itself ultimately in the physical aspects of, of our lives, whether it's a refuah shlema, whether it's a you know good parnasa, whatever it is that we want, whatever bracha it is that we want, it has to go through the router, and that router is none other than Shabbos. And this is something which the Zohar writes explicitly. The Sloan Marebbe, the Nesiva Shalom, he loves to quote this, uh, this uh, passage from the Zohar. He says, Any bracha which, is above, which comes from above or below, it depends on the day of Shabbos itself. So Shabbos, by its very definition, is the source of bracha. As you said, that it would be the router to which bracha is going to enter into our world. And um, the uh, in one of the, the Sidurim, which I have, he quotes from the, the Sefer called Panim Yafos, one of the earlier Hasidic Rebbes. And he says, we're going to contrast this with a different perspective in a moment. But one of the Hasidic Rebbes says, Ki the six days of the week, that they derive their blessing from the following Shabbos. In, in other words, this week, we're going to, this Shabbos, we're going to read Parshas Ve'era. So today on Tuesday, we're, the bracha which we experience today on Tuesday, or the bracha that we'll experience tomorrow on Wednesday, does not come from Shabbos of uh, Parshas Shmos, which was last week's Shabbos, the bracha that we have now is going to be dependent on next week's Shabbos, this coming week's Shabbos, Parshas Va'era, which is an interesting way that the bracha of the Shabbos is already there, and then it gets reflected backwards to where we are, to the previous six days of the week. So that is a Chiddush, because more conventionally, people point to the, to the Orachayim. The Orachayim says a, uh, has a different thing, also, one of the favorite ideas of the uh, the Sonoma Rebbe, and I'll read to you the way it's presented in one of the classic uh, Sidurim, the commentator Sidurim, uh, which uh, the, 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 the set is called Otsar HaTfilos, 
but it contains a two-volume set on the on the sitter and contains many different commentators. One of them is the Eitz Yosef. So he writes as follows. He says, Archai writes, Hashabbos hi ha-mekayim ha-olam yamin. Shabbos is what gives sustenance or gives energy to the world for six days. In other words, that the world only has is only has enough energy. You plug it in and you recharge it, so it only has enough energy for six days. That's all that the world could survive at a time on one charge is six days. And Yavo Shabbos Acheres the Yesevikaim Od Sheishes Yamim Acherim. And Shabbos comes along. Shabbos is when we plug in and we recharge. And when we plug in and recharge on Shabbos. That once again, once we have a full charge coming out on Shabbos, that gives enough energy for the world to survive another six days. And the Orachim says that this is true from the very beginning of creation. That on the first day of creation, the first moment of creation, where Akash Baruch Hu set in motion, the world, we often think that what happened is, is that the world was set in motion, it's constantly plugged in, and therefore it has endless energy. But the Archaim says that Kabbalistic, that's not at all what happened. When Akash created the world the first six days of creation, there's only enough energy for the world to survive and for the world to exist for six days. And then that's why the first Shabbos was so essential. Because on Shabbos, HaKadosh Baruch Hu returns, and he restores the soul of the world, we'll say the energy into the universe, only for another six days. That's the most you could get out of the charge, is six days. For phones, that would be pretty good if our phones lasted six days. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu was only able to get six days of energy out of that Shabbos charge. And although from our perspective, it seems like the world exists seamlessly as we go from Sunday into Monday into Tuesday into Wednesday into Thursday into Friday into Shabbos back into Sunday again. But the truth is that that's not how it's working. Spiritually, the world only exists six days at a time. And were it not for the observance of Shabbos, the world would not recharge and the world would not be able to make it to Sunday. And then he says, um, that's why he says, and that's why upon the arrival of Shabbos, we say, let us go and let us observe it. That's the opening words of the paragraph. Why? Because the existence of Shabbos in our world, the observance of Shabbos in our world, is what gives it sustenance, what gives it energy in order to be able to exist. Because if we don't observe Shabbos, there is no world. And that's why this we say the, the first two lines. Now we'll read them together because he's the, the Eitz Yosef is using the Archaim's commentary to put this together. Let us go and greet Shabbos because we're, the, we're out of charge and we need to be energized once again. The universe needs to be energized once again. Because all the bracha, not only bracha in terms of goodies that we want out of the universe or we want out of a Baruch Hu, but the very existence of the universe, so that depends on our observance of Shabbos. And it's impossible for the universe to exist without that. So that's what the second line means. 
and from the very beginning of the universe. So, um, one second. Oh, yeah. And then from the very beginning of the universe, Nisucha. So she was designated. So the word Nisucha is translated either as designated or some of the commentators explained it to mean that it was crowned. That this is the crown of the, the universe. This is what was intended. This is based on a medrash, which is often quoted. That, um, yeah, the medrash says, that although Shabbos was, as we're going to say, we'll read it together then, um, we say that uh, that although Shabbos was the last thing which was created, that's the Sof Ma'aseh, in terms of action, in terms of what HaKash Baruch Hu actually brought into the world, so Shabbos is last, because that appears on day seven of creation, but but at the beginning, so it was the thought in the intention that was the plan from the very outset. In other words, they are planned a universe around the existence of Shabbos. So it's like any curriculum. You want to know what's your final goal? What do you want the final thing to look like? Okay, if I want the final thing to be Shabbos, so what steps need to be taken in order to create the most perfect Shabbos? In order to create the most perfect Shabbos, the steps which need to be taken is Yom Rishon, Yom Sheni, Yom Shishi, Yom Revi, Yom Chamishi, Yom Shishi, and then we'll get to that. In the Medrash, the muscle that the Medrash gives is Mashal So you have a king, he had, let's say, one daughter, and she was getting married. So he goes ahead and plans the most beautiful chuppah that you could ever uh, imagine with tapestries and flowers and whatever you would imagine it would be. I'm not artistic like that. Vitsaira, Vikaira, and he hired all of the best, uh, you know, florists and the best artists and the best people to go ahead and do so, engineers. Uma And after everything is constructed and is, is in place, so what's missing from the chuppah? Kala, she there's no point to this chuppah with all of the beautiful decorations and everything which is put there. There's no value to it if you don't have a bride. But the last thing which goes under the chuppah is the bride. Everybody else gets there first. It's constructed. It's planned. It's designed. It's constructed. It's uh, it's decorated. And then other people end up there. And the last person to walk under the chuppah is the bride. So in the same way... Um, we go ahead and that the entire world was constructed ultimately to reach the final destination, which is the arrival of Shabbos. And that's what we mean, that although Shabbos, although Shabbos may have been the Sof Maisa, although it may, it may have been the last thing which was made, it was nonetheless the first thing which was thought about. Okay, so as we mentioned, that is the first two of the nine paragraphs, which we said the first two relate to Shabbos directly. Now, as we switch over into stanza three, so now we begin to focus our attention on the Geula. And we say, Mikdash Melech Irmelucha. So the, uh, the place of the sanctuary of the king, that's Mikdash Melech, is Irmelucha, which is the uh, the place where the throne the uh, the sanctuary of God is going to reside is obviously going to be Yerushalayim. Ir Malucha, this is the city of royalty. 
Right. And now, the reason why we go ahead and we make this transition, we go ahead and we move from uh, our focus, the, the subject being Shabbos, to the subject being the Geula, the subject being the uh, our redemption, is based on the language of the Gemara, where this Gemara in Shabbos, Kuf Yerches Amud Beis, Amrav Yudamaraviviud, in the name of Rav says, Ilmale Shamush Yisrael Shabbos Rishona, had Klai Yisrael successfully observed the first Shabbos that they were commanded. It was violated that first time because they went out and they gathered the mun. But the, the Gemara says, had they observed that first Shabbos, Lo Shultaven Uma Velashon, so Klai Yisrael would have never been subject to the authority and the dominion of another nation or another language. And Rabbi Yochanan says, in the name of Rabbi Shem ben Yochai, this is a more famous one, they were Klai Yisrael to go ahead and observe two Shabbases according to Halacha, that if all of Klai Yisrael were to observe two Shabbases, seemingly consecutively, so we would immediately be redeemed. So being that, Chazal already tell us in the Gemara and Shabbos here that there's a connection between the observance of Shabbos and the future Geula. So once we're on the idea of Shabbos, so this is something which easily is going to go ahead and is going to send us over to uh, uh, send our mind in that particular direction. And some of the commentators explain as well that... Um, Um, right there, the where's his ears? Somewhere they had. Oh, yeah. So Shom Alkabat. So he was born in 1505, and he died in 1584. So his lifetime was not that long after the Inquisition. I mean, it could be that, I don't know the history, but it could be that the Inquisition was still ongoing at that time. But it was something which he was actually born in Saloniki. So it could be that his family had been exiled from, uh, been sent out of Spain. They ran away from Spain and they found themselves in Italy. Uh, and at the age of, I think, when he was 30, so that's when he made Aliyah, he went from Saloniki to Tzfas. But Judaism at that time, the Jewish people at that time, were reeling from the effects of the Inquisition. And therefore, following this particular, that uh, particular difficult tkufa, or in the midst of this difficult uh, era for the Jewish people, so they write, The reason why Rav Shom Alkabetz incorporated six stanzas that relate to the future redemption, is was influenced by the circumstances that Rav Shoma Alkabetz and his generation were experiencing at the time of the Inquisition. This was a generation after the Jews were exiled from Spain. And the destruction of a large portion of the Jewish people, a large portion of Jews. So therefore, so he may very well have seen that the suffering that the Jews endured in that generation or in that era was indicative of the birth pangs of the Mashiach. 
and therefore his sights were set very strongly, he anticipated that the gula cannot be very far away. And that's why, as he's thinking about Shabbos, and he's thinking about Me'en Olam Haba, that immediately sends, her, sends his mind racing to the ultimate gula. And it's for that reason he went ahead and he put them together. And then we say, they are kumi tzi'i mitocha hafecha. So we say that you should rise up and you should get up from the midst of the destruction, midst of the ruins. What's interesting about mitocha hafecha, that phrase, that Hebrew phrase, as this is the phrase which all the commentators point to, was that appears originally in reference to the destruction of Sidon. That there's a pasuk to that effect, if I can find it. Uh, um, it says, Vayishach es lot, that Lot was sent out from the destruction. So that's the origin of that. And we're looking around at our current exile existence. And Roshua Alkabetz may have said that the Jewish people experienced such horrific destruction by being exiled from Spain and the number of people who were killed because, simply because they were Jewish and because they refused to become uh, Christians. So he sees that as this, this terrible mapecha, this terrible upheaval, and this terrible ruins that the Jewish people are experiencing. So he's calling that uh, that we should be able to, uh, that the uh, Yerushalayim, in a sense, should emerge from that destruction. Rav Lach Sheves because for too long have we been in this valley of crying. And and we want that uh, um, the uh, that Hakadosh Baruch should be compassionate, and uh, he will shower you with uh, with compassion. And this is something which also the uh, the commentators see that the Geula is going to come not simply because of something which we may do in order to be able to earn it, but there is this notion that Akash Baruch Hu will be will observe similar to what it says by the uh, Geula from Egypt that Hakash Baruch Hu went down to look at what was happening and when he saw firsthand what was happening, so that aroused his compassion, which led to the Geula, which led to the redemption of the Jewish people. On a very simple level, after only 210 years, rather than the full 400 years. So in a similar way, we're calling upon HaKadosh Baruch Hu to observe the circumstances of our existence, the destructive nature of it, the crying nature of it, in order to hopefully arouse HaKadosh Baruch Hu's compassion to go ahead and to uh, to lead us out of, uh, of our current circumstance. Okay, All so right. instead of doing four paragraphs tonight, we did three. But we'll get the rest of them hopefully next week. Yes, Al. What's the significance of uh, the whole thing addressing uh, a female? Uh, why? Why it's in Lashon Akeva? Yeah. Um, so I was hoping nobody would notice that. <laughs> so, th thank you for calling me out on the, uh, on that. I think because Shabbos is uh, is the Shabbos queen. So I think that that's why Klayusol also sometimes is referred to, depending on who Klayusol is connecting with. But sometimes we're also uh, in the keva. Um, I think the um, I think somebody said that cities are also um, always referred to in the feminine. Um, I okay. don't remember where exactly I saw that, but that was something which was uh, which is definitely uh, uh, mentioned along the way. Okay. 
it's a problem with seeing too much at once. Is that I uh, can't remember where I saw the things which I saw, but I'm pretty sure that that's uh, that's what it was. Okay. Okay. Very good. So and thank we'll you, Rabbi. Have a good Shabbos. Have a good Shabbos, everybody. All the best. Thank you for coming, and we will Thursday night, uh, see you Thursday, uh, eight thirty.